But turn in your Bible this morning to the book of Romans, chapter number 14. Now, who else is thinking about taking a nap this afternoon? <laughs> I told my wife this morning, I said, yeah, a lot of times the main reason, you know, people are, you know, they're doing wrong, doing wrong things on Saturday. So, you know, this, they're, they're, they're so tired on Sunday, but you know, it's, you can be doing all the right things, but you know, when you, when you hear the rain and you see the how dark it is. It's like, it's never this dark at this time of the morning. And, but um, thank God that's when you just press in and say, you know what? I'm going to get everything that God has for me today. Thank you, Lord. Romans chapter 14. Father, we thank you for your word today. and We thank you that every ear is anointed to hear. Every heart's anointed to receive. We thank you, Lord, that we're going to be doers of your word and not just hearers only. We thank you, Lord, that's when we become recipients of all that you have. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. <clears throat> Romans 14, verse 7 says, For none of us live to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived that he might be Lord both of the dead and living. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, not only in this chapter, but we see in other chapters in the New Testament where the Bible talks about considering one another. And the Bible, you know, he talks here about meat and not offending other people. How many know that we, we do think about others? It's not just about our lives. We consider one another. He says, For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. But to him that esteems anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. But if your brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably or according to love. Destroy not him with your meat for whom Christ died. Let not then your good be evil spoken of. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify one another. For meat destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eats with offense. It is good neither to eat flesh, nor to drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbles, or is offended, or is made weak. Hast thou faith, have it to thyself before God. 
Happy is he that condemns not himself in the thing which he allows. And if he that and he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eats not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Uh, one of the other places in the New Testament, he talks about for conscience sake, about things that are offered to idols. He said, not for your own conscience, but for him that has the weaker conscience. He said, don't, don't offend. So I'm not here to talk about dietary laws and, and things like that. But I wanted you to get the backdrop of this and what he's talking about and not being offending your brother. But right in the middle of that, look what he says in verse 17. He says, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. You know, the kingdom of God is not just about ordinances. It's not just about what you eat, what you don't eat. It's about what? Righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. This is what the whole kingdom of God is built on. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Everyone say righteousness. righteousness. Peace, peace. Joy, joy in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So I want to talk about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's what the kingdom of God is. Look at verse 18. For he that in these things, in these righteousness, peace, and joy, if when he serves Christ, he's acceptable to God. And approved of men. <clears throat> so I want to look at this. And I want to break this down. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And you're going to get excited this morning. A couple of you anyway. <clears throat> so what is the word righteousness? You know, righteousness is not something that, it's, it's an old English word. It just basically means right. Who's glad that today that you are right with him? If you made Jesus the Lord of your life, the Bible says that you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. You've been made right with him. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says this, For he hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. So righteousness is something that I, I'm, I'm right with Him. Now, you know, a lot of times people think, well, who do you think you are? <laughs> it's not who I think I am. It's who Jesus made me. I've been made right. Because religion has taught people to be beggars. Religion has taught people to, to just, you know, beg and cry and just crawl on their hands and knees, and, and God, you know, I promise to do better. Lord, I, I promise, you know, if, if you'll just let me. Who's ever made prayers where you, where you said, Lord, if you do this for me? Now, there's nothing wrong with a vow, but the Bible says make sure that you pay that vow. If you vow, God, I'm going to do this, then, then you make sure that you do that. But, you know, you don't just have to, Lord, I promise I'll do better. Lord, I promise that, you know, I, I'll quit this and I'll quit that. 
The Bible says you make Jesus the Lord of your life. You become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Back in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, I thank God that I'm in Christ. I, I, I look a lot better in Christ than I do out of Christ. <laughs> I heard a minister preach this probably 30 years ago, and it's always stuck with me. He, he, he was talking about the new creation. And he said this, that God's made us a new creature with a new feature, with a new freedom, with a new future. A new creature. You know, thank God that I'm a new creature. See, I, I remember the old creature that I used to be. Brother Hagen tells the story that when he got born again uh, at the age of 17, he said that he, um, he told everybody that I'm a new creature. And after he, got, he, he was on the deathbed, he, after he got raised up, he went back to school. He said, I told everybody I was a new creature. And people would say, what? A new what? A new creature. And so then he'd begin to witness and he'd begin to tell them about how, you know, over here, I got born again on, on, the, on the bed of sickness, on, the, um, on our deathbed. And he said that he went um, to one place and a friend of his who um, knew him before um, he was on the deathbed, he said he was a good friend of his, but once he got bed fast, he never came and visited him one time. And he said, the world will soon to forget about you. And so this friend never came back. But once he got back, he said um, his name was Lefty. He, and um, so Lefty wanted him to come over. He said, you know, he come, come over here, you know, and, and um, you know, I promise we're not going to. His girlfriend was there. He said, you know, we, we won't even, um, we're not even going to drink. He said, we're not going to um, smoke a cigarette. We're not going to dance. He said, as soon as they got there, he lit up a cigarette. For, next thing he, he uh, drank and, and then he wanted to start dancing. And this young lady was there and said um, to my, would you like to dance? He said, uh, no, I don't dance. He said, why? Because I'm a new creature. A new what? And he started to tell her, and she's just like sobbing and just like the power of God hit her and, and, and conviction. And, that, and Lefty said, oh, let's get out of here, you know, and, and took, the, took him away. <laughs> but I'm a new creature. Thank God for the fact that when when you give your life to Jesus Christ, you become a new creation being. You know what that means? It means it's a new species of being that never before existed. See, that's why the world doesn't understand a Christian. Why, why they don't understand. Why, why do you not like, you know, you used to do this, you used to do that. You know, if you, you have to watch it because people will remind you of what you used to be. Well, you know, don't you remember we did this? Well... Actually, that man died. That man died, and, and now I'm, I'm crucified. That's why the Bible talks in Romans 6 about being identified with Christ. I'm buried with him by baptism in the death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, see, that's what our life is. We, we're buried. And see, that's why water baptism is so important. Water baptism is, is an is a outward evidence of an inward work, that, that you went under the water. I mean, I remember I got baptized right in, the, in the, the lake right there. Everyone was doing their thing on a Sunday afternoon. It didn't bother us. We just went out there and marched right out there in the water, nice muddy water. And uh, I got baptized. Amen. I don't know what people thought about it, but it was okay with me. They were, they were drinking and, and having a good time, but we were drinking of the new wine, and, and we were 
we were um, baptized right there, put the old man under. Hallelujah. But the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So this word righteousness means right standing. It means being right. It also means uprightness. Now, how many people are looking today to be right with God through something just natural? You know, in this, in this town today, they're looking for something natural just to put them over. You know, maybe some kind of um, church attendance. A lot of people are looking for church attendance to, go, to, to make it to heaven. Maybe through some sacrament, through some ritual. But I want you to look over in the book of Romans chapter 10. Now, we're going to be in the book of Romans for a little bit this morning. And I hope this isn't too simple for you today. <clears throat> Romans chapter 10. This, actually, this scripture, since uh, Brother Tony was here, it's just been rolling around my script, in my spirit, so I couldn't improve on it. So um, I just I felt led of the Lord. Just camp on that verse. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Brethren, Romans 10, 1, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. You know, a lot of people are like that. They have a, they, they have a zeal. Paul, the apostle, had a zeal, but it wasn't according to knowledge. He was actually persecuting and killing the church. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness, think of it like this, God's way of making me right with him. That's what righteousness is. God's way of making me right with him. They went about to establish their own righteousness. And having not submitted to themselves to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. See, that's why while people don't understand. They think, well, you know, I have to pay for my sins. I have to pay for uh, my past life. But either Jesus paid for it or I pay for it. And I don't have to pay for what he paid for. What do I have to do? I have to believe. See, righteousness doesn't come by the law. It comes by believing. For Moses, Moses describes the righteousness which is of the law. That the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in your heart. Who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee. Even in your mouth and even in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. How many know the word is right there? The word is right there. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. Now, I, I like what Paul says. And I've just always learned to agree with what the Bible says, whether you understand it or not. Just to agree with God. We, we have a, a saying, always agree with God. Stay on God's side. If God says, if God calls you a dog, then what do you say? Bow wow. Amen. How many remember the, the Syrophoenician woman? Lord, help me. It's not right for me to, um, you know, I'm just sent to the, the lost Sheep of the house of Israel. Lord, help me. It's not right to cast to the dogs. Truth, Lord. But even the, even the puppies, they eat from underneath 
Jesus, I'm sure he had a big smile on his face. He says, woman, great is your faith. Hallelujah. But always agree with what God says. But notice what he says here. He says, what saith it? The word is nigh you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. See, a lot of people think the word of faith is a denomination. They think of the word of faith as a group of people. The word of faith is actually with the word of God. <laughs> Amen. I, are you word of faith? From the top of my head to the soles of my feet. What, what else are you going to be? Word of unbelief? Word of doubt? Come on. That is the word of faith which we preach. So what, what is the word of faith? Here's Paul goes on to explain it. That if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes. Now this is with every promise of God. For with the heart you believe and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. So with every promise of God, I don't have to work up to it. I don't have to pay for it. I just have to believe it and I have to receive it. That's what the word of faith is. So I don't have to say, oh, bring Jesus back down or, or, or bring him back up from the dead. No, the word is nigh me. It's in my mouth. It's in my heart. And with every promise, I, I can believe and with my belief and with my mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Amen. You know, a lot of people don't understand confession, but confession is the basics of you being born again. And it's so amazing because, you know, people want to pay, like we said, pay for their sins. They want to do something special. You know, when I got born again, I never, you know, had to go climb this big hill. I never had to jump off a building. I had to not do anything like that. What did I do? I believed. Lord, the word is nigh me. I believe it right now. Same thing with the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You know, many people, they've done all kinds of things in trying to be filled with the Spirit. You know, they go up to somebody and say, Brother, just hang on. Brother, let loose. Just, you know, let go. He doesn't, he doesn't know whether to let go, turn loose, or, or, or what he's doing, you know. And a lot of people have been filled in spite of that, not because of that. <laughs> but in spite of it, God's had mercy and people have been filled with the Spirit. But all you have to do is believe you receive. I remember when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I don't know, it was about a fragment of a word. I was just like, like when the Bible talks about babes speaking, you know, like babies, I was like, ah, da, 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 da. you know, I was just like, it, but you know what? You start developing and you start speaking, what's going to happen? Just like in the natural, when you learn how to speak, what's going to happen? You get better and better and you get more developed. Same thing speaking in the, in the Holy Ghost. You get better and better. But you just have to practice. But I want you to turn over to Romans chapter 3. <clears throat> See, this is what the gospel is about. The gospel is about being right with God. That's what we preach. What do we preach? We preach Christ Jesus and Him crucified. We're not here to just preach regulations. This is the basics of the gospel. Righteousness. You can be right with God. 
So we sound the gospel trumpet. We blow the gospel trumpet from this place. Amen. But Romans chapter 3, look in verse 19. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. You know, because the Bible tells us that if you're guilty of just one point, you're guilty of all of it. Well, you know, I keep the whole law, but this one thing. Well, you missed it in one area. You're guilty of all of it. That's what the Bible says. Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. See, the law was never meant to make you right with God. You know what the law was meant to do? To show that you were a sinner. Isn't that exciting? It shows you that, that you were wrong. It shows you the, the error of your way. But now, the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. What, what is that? That's the, the righteousness which comes by faith. It's manifested by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. There's no distinction. Why? Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. <clears throat> That's what we tell people. What does the Bible say? The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the Bible also says this. The wages of sin of death is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Look in verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say at this time, His righteousness. See, there's always a distinction between His righteousness and my righteousness. What does Isaiah say? He says that our righteousness is what? As filthy rags. Do you know that that's still true? Well, no, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. In Christ. But according to you and, and, and your righteousness, the Bible says it's like filthy rags. How many know that that fig leaf is not going to cover that much? Adam, you know, makes this, this leaf he's going to try to cover. Well, how many know that's not going to cover all your sins? <clears throat> so he says here, to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believes in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works. No, but by the law of faith. So th that means I can't just boast. Well, you know, this, this is something I did. You know, I'm just going to pat myself on the back. No, he said there's no room for that. There's no room for boasting. There's no room for that. Because it all is because of Jesus. By the law of faith, he says. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Hallelujah. So why is this so important? Because I can't make myself right. You know, just like when you... If, who, now, who's ever missed it in here? If you've never missed it, just um, raise your hand. We'll pray for you. <clears throat> but if when you miss it, the Bible says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So everything that we do is based upon the blood. It's all based upon the blood. 
Now, just because you get uh, advanced and more advanced and you walk and, and grow in your Christian life, that doesn't mean that now all of a sudden it's going to be according to my works. Well, you know, it was all by grace, but now since I've been walking with the Lord more, it, now it's according to my works. No, it, it will never be. It's always grace by faith plus nothing. Grace by faith. Now, we know the Bible tells us to maintain good works, but that's not what saves us. It's never what saves us. Now, I want you to look over in Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. And if you're not excited yet, you will be in just a moment. Verse 6 tells us this. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commends his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled we shall be saved by his life. You know, I think some people get the wrong idea that God just loves the sinner, but now that I'm born again, you know, he's tolerating me. People have that idea. They think, well, you know, it's like, well, you're in the family now, so God's just putting up with me. But the Bible says it's the Father's good pleasure to give me the kingdom. He cares just about as much about me as he does the sinner. How much more? How much more? Hallelujah. The Bible talks about how much more shall he give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him. <clears throat> the Bible tells us in, in Romans 8.31, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? <laughs> if God be for us, who can be against us? So God cares about the, new, the, the, the family. I mean, wouldn't that be bad if, if, if you invited all the kids in the neighborhood around and you just tolerate your kids, but you, you doted on all the other kids? Well, it's good to, to, to you know, love on all the kids, but you should love on your kids as well. Can you say amen? amen. Well, God's no... You know, God's the best parent there ever was. <clears throat> but he says here, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. 5.10, Romans 5.10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Wherefore, is by one man sin entered into the world. Now, who's he talking about? He's talking about Adam. And death came by sin. Now, see, that, that explains why do we have different things. Why do we have hurricanes and tornadoes and different things like that? Insurance companies don't know better. They say acts of God, but it's actually acts of the devil. All those things came because of sin. Do you know that sickness came into the earth because of sin? I like what uh, John Alexander Dowie said. He said that, that sickness is the foul offspring of its father, Satan, and its mother, sin. Yeah. 
If there would have never been sin, there would have never been sickness. And see, that's why we know that when the Bible, the Bible tells us that, that one day there, there was, there's going to be no curse. There's going to be nothing that hurts or destroys. And the Bible tells us now that we should pray that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, how many know in heaven there's no sickness? There's no pain. Now, now I'm not saying that we're not going to have the, the curse on the earth now. We, we're going to have a curse. There's going to be a curse right now. But the Bible, because the Bible tells us there's a curse of the law and there's a curse of the fall. That's why we have to work by the sweat of our brow. How many know we haven't been redeemed from work yet? We haven't been redeemed from work. So that's part of the, the, the fall. Now the Bible, And the Bible talks about this. And I know sometimes people uh, get confused about this, but the Bible talks about uh, childbearing. That's a, that the woman shall have pain in childbearing. That's not a curse of the law. That's the curse of the fall. That's because man sinned. That's the fall. Now, I know people and women have had, um, you know, childbearing with no pain. And, and praise God for that. But you can't just use that as, as, a, as an answer for every woman. That, that if you have pain, then you're in sin or that you're in like that. No, that's the pain. That is talking about the curse of the law. I mean, the fall. We still have to work hard. We're still going to do that. But the Bible tells us we have been redeemed from the curse of the law. What does that mean? That means I've been redeemed from sickness. That means I've been redeemed from poverty. That means I've been redeemed from lack. That means I've been redeemed from, from things destroying in my life. Can you say amen? If you don't understand all that, don't throw it away. Just study it up. But notice he says, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. Who is the figure of him that was to come? But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation. See, because of what Adam did, he sold us out. <laughs> I think people are going to have a little discussion with Adam one day, but God's going to smooth that over. <laughs> he says, for the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses Unto justification. Look at verse 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace. Everyone say abundance of grace. And the gift of righteousness. See, that shows you right there that righteousness is not by the works of the law. It's the gift. All I have to do is receive it. And see, that's the problem is... It's hard for man and the pride of man to receive. But I just have to receive and say, Lord, yes, I, I, I've been a, a, a filthy rascal or whatever, you know. And, and Lord, I just receive right now the gift of righteousness. I receive it right now in my life. And see, that's not just something you receive once. You walk in that light. Yeah. 
You walk in the, in the light of the fact that I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, let me give you some good news. You cannot get any more righteous than you are right now. Well, you know, when I get to heaven, I'll really be righteous. If you're not righteous now, you're, you're not going to be righteous then. If you're not righteous enough to, to get to heaven, then you're not going to be righteous enough to, to stay in heaven. Someone came to Brother John Osteen one time, and they were just talking, and they said, um, they said, um, you know, Brother Osteen, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to speak with other tongues. Um, and anyway, they said, well, it's a good time now. Well, I have to do some more digging. You know, I had to dig in the Bible and, and study more. And um, anyway, he said, well, let me just ask you. You know, I was your pastor. Um, if you died right now, if you fell dead right now, would you make it to heaven? Well, of course. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus? You know, that would allow me to go to heaven. He said, okay. Then if you're able to go to heaven now, then you're able to get a little bit more of heaven in you by being filled with the Holy Spirit. But see, people just think so naturally. So he says, the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, you shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So number two, the Bible tells us righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. The kingdom of God is about peace. We have to be emissaries of peace. Can you say amen? Romans 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So I have the peace of God, but I also have peace with God. Amen. Everyone say peace. peace. <clears throat> Listen to what Jesus said over in John chapter 16. Verse 31. He says, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that you shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So what is he saying? He says, in me you might have peace. In me you might have peace. In the world, Jesus said, you shall have tribulation. Not you might. Maybe so, but he said, you shall. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Can you say amen? Look over in, in John chapter 14. Jesus says this in verse 15. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not. Neither knoweth him, but you know him because he dwells with you, and he shall be in you. I'm not going to leave you comfortless. Other translations say this. I'm not going to leave you to be an orphan. 
Yet a little while and the world sees me no more, but you see me because I live, you shall live also. And that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Now see, this is a great truth because a lot of people wonder, why does God never uh, manifest himself to me? Look at what he says. He says, he that has my commandments and keeps them. Well, you know, I love God, but you know, you've heard someone say, well, I love God, but I really don't like reading the Bible. Or He says here, he that has my commandments and keeps them, that's the one that loves him. So you cannot separate love for God and love for his word. If you love the word of God, then you, you love God. If you say you love God, then you're going to love the Bible. Amen. That means you're going to read your chapter every day. Amen, which we're still doing. He says, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Don't you think you would know when the Lord manifests his love to you? Or is it just something that's just kind of like spiritual? You, you, you're going to know. You, you know when you're pleasing to God. You, you know when you're not pleasing to God. There's just something that, you know, the sun's just not shining quite like it should. You know, there's just something, even if it's cloudy outside, it's still bright on the inside. But when, when things are not right with you, things can't be right with other people too. I found that when things are not right with God, I don't care what's going on in the natural, things just can't be right. But, you know, even if things are, don't look too good in the natural, if things are right with me and the Lord... Then all the birds are, are birding and, and the trees are treeing and the, and the grass is grassing and you know everything is just right. Why? Because I have peace with Him. Thank you, Lord. And that's what the Lord's doing today. He's speaking to every situation in your life. He's saying, "Peace, be still." He's speaking to the storms in your life today. Peace, be still. Peace, be still. What did Jesus do when, when they went to the other side? When Jesus said, we're going to go to the other side, boys. He went and took a nap. And, and what did the disciples do? They had this real faithless statement. They said, don't, Lord, don't, you, don't let these words ever come out of your mouth. Lord, don't you care that I perish? Lord, don't you even care? And what did he do? He just stood up. He rebuked it. And then they looked and said, what kind of man is this? That even, even the storms and, and the, the winds and the waves obey him. But that's what he's doing today. He's saying shalom, peace. You know what, what, what peace means? It means nothing missing and nothing broken. That's what he's doing in your life. He's speaking. He speaks a word to you that there's nothing missing. There's nothing broken in your life. Can you say Amen. Well, we sure need some joy, so let's get to joy. Righteousness, peace, and the Bible says the kingdom of God is joy in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit brings joy with His presence. Psalm 1611 says, In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. His presence brings joy. You know, when we read the book of uh, Galatians, the Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit. 
Now, which we understand is twofold because in context is really talking about the fruit of the human spirit. But we do know that that comes from the Holy Spirit. We, we do know that. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, temperance, self-control. All of that comes from the Spirit of God. But what's the first three? Love, joy, peace. The Holy Ghost, He is a spirit of joy. And the church for too long has just been so sad. The church has been too down and too depressed. And as a believer, we have no business being depressed. None. None. We, 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 we make no allowances for it in our life. Hallelujah. So joy is a fruit of the Spirit. God wants us to be full of joy. I like with the book of Acts in chapter 13. If, if you read the beginning of Acts 13, the Bible talks about the first missionary journey that, that Saul, Paul went on. And it said that they, they ministered to the Lord and fasted. And the Holy Ghost said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I've called them. But if you go to the end of that chapter, all the different things that start happening and, and the persecutions. The Bible says in Acts 13, 52, and the disciples... Not the apostles, not the specially called ones. It says the disciples, those that follow him, were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. Everyone say filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 8, talking about when the early church had revival. You don't have to turn there, but just listen just for a moment. This is when Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. What's going to happen when the gospel is preached? There's going to be great joy in the city. If the gospel is really preached, there's going to be joy. Now, there might be a riot and revival and, and both of them at the same time, but something's going to happen. <laughs> Hallelujah. <clears throat> there was great joy in the city. How many remember over in Acts 14, the Bible talks about that Paul went to a certain place and there was this man impotent in his, his feet and it said that, that Paul perceived this man had faith to be healed. At some point, faith arose in that man and he, he looked at him and said, hey, you believe, don't you? He's looking and he says, stand up right on your feet. And it said the, that the man heard Paul speak. He, he stood up on his feet. He leaping, walking, leaping and praising God. All of that was because of what verse 7 said. And there they preached the gospel. Now see, that gives you a good clue of what they preached. You know, a lot of places you, you, you wouldn't say that. You wouldn't see the, the accompanying signs. Why? Because it said, and there they preached the gospel. And then this man rose up. A lot of places they, they might preach about quarter gospel or half gospel. 
There they preached the gospel. So in that, he must have preached about miracles. He must have preached about signs and wonders. Why? Because things happen. There they preached the gospel. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 12, verse 3. Let me just turn over there real quickly. Verse 2. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He has also become my salvation. Therefore, with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. Everyone say, with joy. With joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. Now, your salvation is linked, God says, to a well. How many know a well is for usually for you, right? You and your family. But the Bible says also that there are rivers now, what does a river do? A river is for, can be for a whole community, for a whole area. But he said, therefore, with joy. With joy shall you draw water. You're not going to draw from the wells and the depths of salvation with depression. It's, it's the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. What, what does Nehemiah say? Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Everyone say, I must walk in joy. I have to stir up the joy of the Lord. Don't sound so excited about it. I must stir up the joy of the Lord. (laughs) Joy is a river. Amen. If you, here's the thing. If you can't get excited in church, when will you get excited? If not now, when? If not here, where? <laughs> it's like our pastor would always say, what, what are people waiting for? You know, when they get home, or then they're going to get excited about the things of God. But with joy shall we draw out of the wells of salvation. So that joy, John has the joy on the inside that he can draw out of for himself. But then the, that's the well of salvation. But then the Bible says in John 7, 37, in that great day, the last day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. <clears throat> for out of his, as the scripture said, out of his belly. Now put your hand on your belly. Say this, out of my belly, of my belly. shall flow yeah. rivers of living water. Now see, that's not just for me. That, that's for other people. But see, you just, you just begin to stir that up. And see, that's the thing. You, just, you start with the fact that, of realizing there's a river on the inside of me. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Opens prison doors, sets the captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Spring up a well. Within my soul, spring up a well, make me whole, spring up a well, give to me that life abundantly. Amen. I've got a river on the inside. And see, here's the, here's the good news. The Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. I don't care how you feel. 
You might feel like 40 miles of muddy road. You might feel lower than a snake's belly in a wagon rut. You, you might feel low as low can be, but that doesn't change the fact that he's on the inside of me. So I just begin to stir him up and I say, Holy Spirit. And, you know, I just close my eyes and I say, Holy Spirit, you're on the inside of me. Thank you that greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. Thank you that, that, that on the inside of me is a river. And Lord, I just stir up that river right now. I just stir up the river of God on the inside. There's a river, the streams whereof make glad, the city of my God. And Lord, I'm happy about it. And with joy, I draw from the wells of salvation. And, and you know, just like when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, he's on the inside. So when you go, I don't have to feel like he's there. I know he's there. The same place that tongues resides, which is the, the, that prayer language, the Holy Spirit's there. That's where joy is too. And so I just yield to that on the inside. Ha, ha, ha. He, he. So, so what does the Bible say in Job? At destruction and famine, you shall cry. At destruction and famine, you're going to get really upset. He says, Job 5.22, at destruction and famine, thou shalt laugh. Hallelujah. <clears throat> There's a verse, and I was going to write it down, but I didn't, I didn't get the reference before. If you know it, then you can just shout it out to me. But the Bible talks about because joy is withered, being withered away, there's, there was lack. You know, joy withering away in your life, sometimes people say, well, it's like the chicken and the egg. Well, what, were they sad because of this or was this because of that? When you read the Bible, it's because we don't walk in joy. It's because joy withers away that other things wither away. Amen. So I have to protect my heart at all costs. Amen. And so just like we were saying during the offering, we reap with joy. Every day we reap with joy. And I'm not just talking about, I'm talking about just getting out of the bed. You know, sometimes it takes faith just to get out of the bed. You just have to say, Lord, I'm going to work today. <laughs> I don't feel like it, but I'm going to work today. Lord, I'm going to go do what you want me to do and by faith. And, and you just, if you have to go jump back in the bed and get, get out on the other side of the bed, you know, if you got in on the wrong, get out, got out on the wrong side, then just jump back in there. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Say this with me. The joy of the Lord, the of the Lord. Is, my is my strength. The joy of the Lord, the of the Lord. Is, my is my strength. Thank you, Lord, today for your strength. You strengthened me today. You caused me to win today. And it's all because the greater one who lives on the inside of me. I stir him up today, and I cause him to live big on the inside of me. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.